had it by now and you hadn't got right by now, I guess if you're uh, lost, you're still going to go to hell. That hadn't changed overnight. And uh, if you've gotten some of the things maybe that we've been talking about this week, then uh, maybe it can make some changes or some course corrections. One of the things that I love about the Bible is, is the fact that he still leaves you with the choice. And even though you're saved, you can choose whether or not you want to follow the Lord. And if you don't, he'll let you follow the devil. Or he'll let you follow, in a sense, uh, your own desires and your own hopes and dreams. I think some of you, without question, have gotten some things. And then there's some of you here that don't mind taking advantage of a situation to just play out what it is you want to do. Uh, as they used to say where I came from, you play too much. You don't know when to stop playing. And uh, the spiritual life is not something to be played with. It's not something to be toyed with. It's not something to be, you got to get it all up front, get out and get it all on the table and get things fixed the way they're supposed to. And some of you are still hiding things. Like what you do when nobody's looking. And going in and messing around with people's stuff when you shouldn't be messing with people's stuff. And ruining it for everybody. You know why? You're a show pony. You know what you're good for? You're good for one thing. You're good to be brushed and you're good to be pampered and you're good to be cared for. And you got to have your nails, your hooves polished all the time. And all they do is bring you out in the parade and look at what a horse ought to look like and how good that pony ought to be and all that kind of stuff. But hook you up to a plow, you'll kick slam out of the traces. When it comes to you applying hard work, when it comes to your spiritual life, man, you kick and moan and groan and sit down and and bellyache and whine and cry like a little girl. Well, in the spiritual life, you know, I can't do anything about that. If you don't want to grow up, I can't force you to grow up. I can't shame you into growing up. And I can talk to you like a man. You want to be treated like a man? I understand that. I appreciate it. But have you earned the respect to be treated like a man? I'm not worried about the girls. I don't know if you noticed that. Did you notice last night the preaching seems to kind of lean in this direction? That's because when men see the potential of other men, they want to see men become men. And some of you, you still are a bunch of punks. You think you're bad and you think you're tough. Listen, there'll always be something. Some of you are ready to come up now and throw me on the mat. I got friends here. You don't even know where they are. You might get swarmed before you ever get to me. I'm not talking tough just to be tough. I'm an old man. I'm not tough anymore. I'm tender as a stinking good ribeye steak, about 12 ounces, medium rare, cooked on the grill, burned over a couple of times, and you can just cut me with a fork. That's how tender I am. But I'm telling you, you're in a tough world and things are difficult for you. And if you don't get your spiritual life right and get the cotton-picking kinks knocked out of your head, you're going to have a tough time in life. And sad for some of you, you're going to wind up dying and going to hell. But to those of you that are saved, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a miserable life full of nothing but trouble and trials and difficulties in your marriage and with your kids because you're going to reap what you sow. You're not going to change the Bible because, Lord, don't shouldn't you have pity on me. No, I'm not having pity on you. I warned you, I warned you, I warned you, I warned you. Now you got caught. You say, what happened? You're done for. Now there's a way to fix that. You say, how do you fix it? You get off your blessed assurance. You get down to Walter. You do business with God. And you say, I'm going to change. But you need to understand the second you say you're going to change, everything in the world is going to pull against you. And it is much easier to turn around and go with the current than it is to row against the current. How many of you boys remember the story of Matthew chapter number uh, 4? No, it would be Matthew 14. Remember where the Lord put those guys in the boat? And the Bible said when they got out in the midst of the sea there that the storm arose. You remember that? Yeah. You know what most guys do nowadays? I'm going to get to you all in a minute. In a nicer, sweeter, gentler, kinder way. 
This is me actually looking out for you. This is your crop of guys to choose from to get married. Yeah, I thought you wanted me to spend some more time over here. <laughs> you remember that story? You remember the story of Matthew 14? You know what happens? You know what most people would do nowadays? Throw the oars in the boat and just let the wind blow them back to where they came from. You know where some of you are going to go as soon as we're finished up here and we unhitch the wagon tomorrow morning and you get ready to head back? You're going to get blown right back to where you came from. You say, why? You don't have the backbone. You don't have the chutzpah. You don't have the, the, the courage to row against the current. It's not going your way. And things aren't going good. And I don't have what everybody else had, so I'll steal it. Because I'm a thief. That was a guy by the name of Judas, if I remember right. I gave you an illustration of a man by the name of Achan last night. You say, what did Achan? He took something that didn't belong to him. But you know what happened? It didn't just kill him and cost him. It cost the whole nation of Israel. And those uh, men that died, it cost them their families. And it cost them their wives. And then he winds up there. Guess what happened? His kids wind up down in the pit. And they're throwing stones at them. And those stones are breaking their bones. And blood's pouring out of their, their bodies and things like that. Daddy, why is this happening to us? Daddy, why is this happening to us? That's going to be some of you. You say, why? Because the Bible's true. That's not just a mean old preacher. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to jam some stinking pneumonia uh, capsules up your nose. You may not even know what those are anymore. Nowadays, they probably wake you up with potpourri or something like that. Back in my days, when you had a drunk laying down there on the ground, that drunk was laying there, and he peed all over himself and pooped all over himself and vomit all over him and that kind of a thing. And no matter how tough you are, they stink. You don't even want them in your car, but you've got to put them in your car. Well, you don't want to pick them up can't call rescue for them and roll it out all the time. So this is what I've heard they used to do. They'd take a couple of ammonia capsules and put them on either side of their nose and then just twist their nose like bewitched and that kind of a thing and put your hand over their mouth. I've just heard they did this before. And so now they can only breathe through their nose. And they get them a big old whiff of that ammonia. You'd be surprised how quick they'll come up and come alive. You know what some of you need? You need ammonia capsules, spiritual ammonia capsules. You haven't had a man talk to you the way I'm talking to you or preachers the way you've heard these preachers preach to you all week. You had not heard that stuff. Your preachers have been preaching their guts out. But you're just as deaf as a doorpost. You're calloused. You're cold. You're hard. You make fun of it. You make light of it. Well, if you hadn't got it by now, I don't know what to do. I guess you just have to be a washout. You hadn't got the courage to even admit when you're wrong. You think you're getting away with it. You forget. God must not be real to some of you, I guess. <laughs> You think God doesn't know what you're doing? You think God don't have a long chain that he can get you whenever he wants to? Boy, right when you don't think you're going to get it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to slip up on you and boom, going to get you just like that, man. You say, well what, well, what, well, what am I supposed to do? Why don't you fix it now? Why don't you fix it now? Now, ladies, I'm going to give you some things because you're the ones that's been taking notes. You don't see very many notepads down through here. You see the Bible's open, but I see notepads here. You say, why? I don't know. Maybe they think they might learn something they could use later on. But you already know it all, don't you? You older ones, you're setting a great example for the younger ones watching you, right? Oh, I don't, I don't need to take notes, man. I already know all this stuff. You do, do you? Well, what about the little ones sitting beside you taking notes? Why don't you set an example? Oh, I forgot. You don't have the backbone to do that. You live for yourself. I forgot all about that. I mean, you even take stuff that don't belong to you. Somebody else's money, somebody else's clothes. Sooner or later, somebody else's life. 
You don't care. It's about get the money out of the cash register. Give me. Talked about that last night just a little bit. Now, ladies, for you, what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give you about eight or nine things that you can apply anywhere in your life. I don't care if you wind up going to college. I don't wind up if you have a career. I don't care if you wind up being married. I don't care if you wind up being single. I don't care if you wind up being in a, and say, a, a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I'm going to give you a few things that are biblical principles that I did here about five years ago or so, maybe even six years ago now, that I did, that if you'll write them down and pay attention to them, they'll help you to be a success in life. And I hate to say this to you, but girls, <laughs> unfortunately, it looks like the weight of spirituality is resting more on you than on the guys nowadays, because they don't seem to give a flip. But you girls, and it's unfortunate, you're going to marry one of these pinheads one day, and then you're going to say, baby, let's go to church. I don't go to church. Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. I'm the husband. You do what I say. <laughs> you're going to need what I got for you here. You say, why? You can't divorce them every time they disagree with you. Okay. Are you, you adults okay this morning? Y'all look a little nervous. Y'all are kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> What's got him all jacked up this morning? Oh, it's just too much coffee. That's all it is. I'll, I'll come down after I, I get off the coffee. There's, there's nothing spiritual. I'm just in the flesh right now, you know. Isn't that how it is when, when the preacher's really hitting it and driving it right through your heart? Isn't it all, oh, I don't know what's wrong with the preacher today. How come it's always something somebody else instead of going, you know, it's me, Lord, you got me. Why don't you have David syndrome instead of Saul syndrome? You know what some of you got? You got Saul syndrome. You say, what's Saul syndrome? Lord, it's the people. It's the people. It's the people. David, it's David. He, he doesn't like me. <laughs> and David, thou art the man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. David, 70,000 people died because of your pride. Yes, sir. What would you have me to do? I'd rather you kill me. Well, I'm not going to kill you. You're going to have to live with your mistake. What do you want me to do? Lord, I'd rather know you know when to quit and you know how much I can take. So rather than send a plague or do this or do that, I'll tell you what I'd like for you to do, Lord. Uh, you just tell me when enough is enough. Man, boy, you talk about having something spiritual. Would you like to put yourself in the God's hands today? All right, now let me show you some things here. In Nehemiah chapter 4, if you're there, you're looking at it, and you're winding up finding out that there's a foundation that is already there, but it's got rubble and rubbish on it. And so one of the things you have to recognize is if you're already saved is sometimes the wrong materials can be laying on the foundation. You understand? Here, let's pray. Jesus wept. Amen. All right, now listen to me. <clears throat> you have to recognize as a Christian, sometimes the wrong building materials creep into you and you grab it off the pile and before long, you're building something you shouldn't be building on a good foundation. So the foundation was good, but because the foundation uh, was good, it didn't matter. Over a period of time, the walls came down and the nation of Israel or Jerusalem, the capital, was in ruins. And so when Nehemiah comes to the king, he said, listen, why is your countenance falling? He said, well, you know, somebody licked all the chocolate off my peanuts and they ate all my cotton candy and they broke the horns off my unicorns and uh, they wings don't, the angels don't have wings anymore and I'm just, I don't know. No, that's not what he said. He said, it bothers me that I'm in the king's palace and my people are suffering and the city of God has been destroyed. And he said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I'd like to rebuild it. Rebuild it, man. Have you seen what a mess that is? 
That's in your Bible, ladies and gentlemen, for one reason, to show you that no matter how big of a mess you make, you still have a good foundation and you have to be willing to go in there and eradicate and tear out and move out all the rubble and all the rubbish, including that of your past. And start over. This idea that you're always going to be done. Y'all are worse than the Lord is. The Lord says, y'all take it from me. And I put it as far as the east is from the west. Put it behind my back. Remember it no more. But boy, you don't forget. You saved those Instagram, Snapchats. And you know why? Blackmail. I'm fixing to put Joe in jail before the meeting's over with. You say, why? He's encouraging you to blackmail people. That's basically what he's doing. He's saying, now I'm not saying that they'll give you a couple of votes and all that, but if you give them a Starbucks card or he's encouraging Blackmore, I'm going to get him for aiding and abetting. (laughs) He is enabling you. He's teaching you bad habits. Snitches get stitches. No, sometimes snitches are smart because some things you ought to snitch about. I bet you some of you boys know some things that have been going on this week, but you don't have the backbone to step up and go, you say, well, I I don't want to turn it. They're doing wrong, aren't they? Why are you taking that on you? Why don't you turn them in? You can say, what did you do? I spent over 20 years turning people in. I don't care if they, oh, I can't believe you did that. Why didn't you have pity on them? I did. I put them in jail. I had pity on all the ones they're taking advantage of. You ain't going to put me in that box. You ain't going to tell me something and then tell me not to tell somebody when what you did is wrong. You don't come in my office and say to me, now I want to tell you something, but you know that pastor parishioner thing, hey, my testimony and my church is not worth me keeping a secret for you. I ain't no Catholic priest. You start doing it at the age you are right now, you know what you'll wind up doing? You'll do it the rest of your life. You say, why? Because you're a sellout, that's why. You need to get a... Uh, 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 a backbone and do what you're supposed to do and say you know what as for me and my house we're serving the Lord you stinking jackleg get away from me back in my day when you had somebody doing something like that now I know it's back in my day by the way you know Tyrannosaurus Rex he's real pterodactyls they're real I mean you know the big Sinclair dinosaur they're real they were all around in my day I know how old I am I get that I know for y'all you're thinking Lord man was he born did he come over with Noah on the ark no he only had eight I came just after the ark I was born after all the cataclysmic things took place. Listen to me. You have got to understand you are going to make mistakes, but when you make mistakes, eradicate the mistake and start over. And if you hold what somebody has done in their past continually against them. Now, if they're continuing their devilment, then you know what you better do? You better separate from individuals like that. You say, why? They're putting you in a box. They're telling you things and then you're the bad guy for telling. Don't tell me. I will tell on you. So I don't think that's right. Then don't tell me. Who's the loser? Because you're trying to put me in a box for not to... No, uh uh-uh. That ain't friendship. You don't be putting that kind of stuff on me and make me carry your burden. I ain't doing it. I will out you. And I don't mean by being that, by being a queer. 
And the guy come in my office one time and he's all twisted up and things like this. And he's backed up in the corner. Looked like he was ready to grab a blanket and a cup of hot cocoa. And he backs up in the corner. He's sitting like a little girl up in the, up in the corner, you know, like this. Like he's, like he's afraid I'm going to pounce on him or something. I said, man, peacocks aren't dangerous. Relax, you know. And he said, I, I need to tell you something. And, and I said, well, okay. But I said, let me just tell you this. If you're going to tell me something that's illegal or immoral, you better be careful what you tell me because if it's something that I have to call the police, I'll call the police. And I said, what's worse, I'll hold you till they get here. I don't know if I want to talk to you then. I said, okay, well, if you got that much guilt about it, maybe you ought to go turn yourself in for whatever it is. In the meantime, maybe you ought to talk to the Lord. You say, what happened? I'll give him this credit. You know what he did? He went straight down to 501 East Bay Street, walked into the sheriff's office, and he said, I have some things I need to get off my chest. You say, what happened to him? He pled guilty and went to prison. It's a shame a convict has more courage than some of you. You say, what is that? You are setting your line, the direction you're going to go for the rest of your life. When those little tests come in and you fail those tests, you know what you're doing? You're developing your your, uh, character. You're sowing a habit. And the habit will eventually come around to you and guess what will happen? It will reap a deed. And before long, the deed will wind up showing you your character and that character will point out your direction. Before long, you'll find yourself in the wrong crowd and the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Biblical illustration? Sure, be glad to. How about Peter? Good guy, when you say, gave up fishing, walked on water, mother-in-law healed, all those other kind of things. I mean, was right there with Jesus all the time. And you know what he did? He got proud and boastful. He got so sure of himself. When the Lord told him, this is what's going to happen to you, you know what he said? He said what some of you are saying right now. Never happened to me. Peter said that. Peter, the apostle to the Jews. Peter, one of the, the big fishermen. Peter, the one that the Lord used. You know what he said? Everybody else may do it. I'll never do it. Boy, he got a little arrogant, didn't he? A little cocky. The Lord said, now, Pete, I'm just telling you, before the cock crows thri- twi- uh, twice, you're going to deny me thrice. I'm, I'm telling you now, Pete, you better write, Lord, not so. And he said the more so vehemently. And guess what happened? The other guys jumped on board and said, yeah, us too. <laughs> they all ran like little girls. Yeah. You see, I think that when you come to youth camp, you ought to walk away with more than just who won the trophy for having the dirtiest cotton-picking bunkhouse. What in the Sam Hill is that? We got the dirtiest bunkhouse. We won the dirtiest bunkhouse. And what do you think, you get a trophy for that? Because you're dirty? But you know what, I guess that's probably an indicator of your spiritual life. How come one of you didn't say, you know what, they may be dirty, but I'll come in here and clean up after them if they won't get with it. Why'd you just go along with the crowd? I don't know how many's in that bunkhouse. I hope I'm not taking too much liberty here, but I don't really care that I am. They're going to fire me. I'm not coming back next year anyway. But I want to ask you something. How many's in that bunkhouse? Whatever the team is that has the nasty bunkhouse. A number, Joe, Brother Joe, a number, a number. Could you guess? Could you say 10, 12, 15? 10. 6, 7. Do I hear 8, 8, 8? Do I hear 8? Do I hear 8? 8, 8. I hear 8. I have 9. Anybody? 9. I hear 9. I hear 9. I have 10. Okay, now we got 25 in there. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Why did you all just go along with being filthy? Yeah. 
Does it not bother you to be filthy? Listen, I used to come up in a locker room and the locker room was filthy. You think my mom and daddy let me have my room be filthy? If my daddy had walked in the locker room and saw the locker room, my place in that locker room better be clean. Why'd you go along with that? What a bragging, well, it's just camp, you know. Oh, no, it's much more than camp. You say, why? You get accustomed to filth, don't you? If you can't tell them, I don't want to live in filth, and I don't want to smell your dirty underwear, and I don't want to smell your stinking socks, and I don't want to sleep on your smelly bed, then you know what will happen? It won't be long before they'll be tempting you to walk into filthy places and do filthy things with your eyes and with your ears and with your hands and with your feet. If you won't tell them no there, I can assure you, you won't tell them no in the other places. You say, what do you need? A backbone. Stand up. Hey, I'm not doing it. You say, well, what happens if they don't like me? Come get one of us. We'll help you. We kind of like it, you know. I mean, I like it. When I get a little smaller fellow, I'm like, hey, man, you hear what I tell you to do? He's like, okay, preacher, okay, whatever you say. Makes me feel like we kind of like acting like we're tough. But now if you're going to go fight, I'll turn you over to Reagan or somebody like that. Let him twitch you up like a pretzel. I'll just step back and watch. And I, oh, amen, brother. Go get that. You know, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm feeble. You know, but why don't you stand up, boys? I listen. I see, I hear it differently. I hear it. I hear it. And then you know what I hear? I hear you laughing because they're pig pen. Don't we have something like a pink flamingo or something or a pink panther or a pink... What, Pink pajamas. Okay. Pink pajamas. Right? The dirty blue devils. What, what? But you know what I hear over here? I hear laughter that they're pigs. It's almost like, hey, they like me because I'm dirty. You know how it is, preacher. Those girls like the bad boys. The dirty boys, the filthy boys. That's the ones that we go to the rock and roll shows with, preacher. The good boys don't take us there. The clean boys don't take us where we really want to go. Yeah. The, the dirty boys listen to the wrong stuff. And the dirty boys help us to drink and feel good and just get a little high and every now and then. And <laughs> the dirty boys, will, yeah, you like the dirty boys. You must. You laugh at them. Christian girl? Are you a clean girl? See, I got dirty good. Take a blood bath. The Lord took an old woman over there that had been with five husbands that weren't her own. And you know what he did? She got a drink of water that day and she came out pure as a driven snow. She went back and said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did, past tense. And God put that in the Bible to show you it don't matter what all you've done and where all you've been from. He can wash you clean. Stop wallering in it. Stop being aiders and abettors. Well, that's where we're going this morning, if you can't tell. Yes, I got sleep last night. I got plenty of sleep last night. Sam Ballad and Tobiah there in Nehemiah chapter number 4, they're the ones that wind up being instigators behind the scene. If there was anybody that would write letters and be on 
Instagram and Snapchat and, and Facebook. It would have been Sam Ballot and Tobiah. They just did it by papyrus and by word of mouth. And then in the old days, it would come up through telegraph and telephone and sometimes tell a woman. And then later on, it began to be men are just as bad as women spreading stuff through text message and then Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook and all the other kind of electronic messages. That's Sam Ballard and Tobiah trying to interrupt what God's trying to do. You say, what's God trying to do? Use an old man named Nehemiah, an old cupbearer over there to try to teach him how to, to build a ball back to restore it. You say, why? There ain't nothing wrong with the foundation. All right, I'm going to give you a few things here with a little bit of time that we got left. Uh, look, if you will, please, in 2 Corinthians 6, and it's going to be a rehash. Brother Joe, could I have a little bit of water, please, sir? 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Now, this is stuff your preachers have been preaching to you and preaching to you and preaching to you. And they've told you and told you and told you and told you. And what I'm about to tell you right now, it's old school stuff. It's stuff that uh, preachers have been telling you for a long period of time. Thank you, sir. And you know what, he, what happens is like, well, you know, they've been telling me that, but who cares and who pays attention? Mom and dad don't pay attention. See, mom and dad got a way of not affiliating with them out in public. They just affiliate with them in the living room through electronic friends. You know how you affiliate with them? Electronic friends metaverses out in the, the, the fantasy world, all that other kind of stuff out there. That's where you communicate with them. You communicate with people who don't have the courage to tell you to their face. they got to hide behind a stinking keyboard. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should just switch sides and let you guys sit over here where the girls, because that's how you're acting. The idea that you sit down behind a keyboard and he doesn't like me and I don't like him and he went here and he didn't take me and I didn't like this and I didn't like that. I don't know where you got feminized, but my goodness, man. Yeah. Why don't you stand up and say, hey, man, if you don't like me, fine, I'll find somebody that does. Yeah. Do you know it's good to have enemies? You say you have any enemies? I think I have one or two maybe, not many. I mean, I'm not the most likable guy you've ever met. That wasn't the right time to laugh, girls. <laughs> I'm glad pedophiles don't like me. I'm glad they know if they come to my church, they're going to get spotted. And they get marked. And they get run off. You say, why? I'm sending a message. I make it public. If you're one of those, you're not welcome here. Well, you know, come to Jesus. Good. Come to Jesus and stay in your living room. You should be in a stinking 8 by 10 cell the rest of your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, God, I'm so glad God saves old sinners. Yeah, he may have saved the pedophile, but he better stay away from us. You say, why? He might meet Jesus a little sooner. You see that passage there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6? I think it says something along these lines. If I remember the passage correctly, mine's not what it used to be. The Bible says uh, in there, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. By the way, if you go through 2 Corinthians 6, there's nothing in there about marriage. That's the verses that you use if you're going to marry an unsaved person. I understand that. But in the context of the passage, guys, there's nothing in there about marriage. You know what he says? Be not unequally yoked together with people don't believe like you believe. That's kind of harsh, ain't it? 
That's across the board. That's not just doctrinally. But then he's going to go further. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to qualify you what an unbeliever is. He said, for what fellowship? In other words, what, what, what do you have in common? Light and darkness. Christ and Belial. Isn't that what he said? He said, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you have in common with those? doesn't make sense to me that you would want to hang out with those bottom feeders. You're not supposed to have fellowship with him. You say, oh, well, he's just trying to hold me back. No, he's trying to protect you. You heard a sermon on that. The Father's house isn't a prison. It's got a perimeter around it to protect you. He's not trying to hurt you. Did you know what he says? Be not only together with unbelievers. What fellowship have Christ below? What fellowship have light with darkness? Wherefore he says unto you, come out from among him and be ye separate. Uh-oh, and what? Touch not. Are you reading it? What does it say? He just made the unclean thing the unbeliever. He just made the unclean thing Belial or the devil. He just made the unclean thing darkness. You know what he's saying? What you putting your hands on that for? Why are you letting your mind go there? Your mind belongs to me. Your hand and body belong to me. You're mine. I bought you with a price. I paid for you. Why are you dirtying yourself up? Get away from it. Now here's something that's real old school. I'm just telling you. Ounce of provisions worth a pound of cure. And one of the greatest ways you can stay out of trouble is don't resist it, avoid it. Just stay away from it. If you think there's even a chance or an opportunity that trouble could be, just, just don't go. Well, I'm going to go to the concert and I'm going to see how it is, but if it kind of breaks out of the banks, I'm going to get, what? What? Well, I'm going to hang out with these guys, and I mean, they're not really bad guys. I mean, you know, they got a little bit of a rap sheet and all that, but it'll be wiped off because they're juveniles, and when they get older, and I know they're wrong with the wrong people, and I know they smoke, and I know they drink, they know they do a little drugs, and they pop a few pills, and, and you know, they're making money, they're running the corner and stuff like that, and they got A, B, and C Street, and, you know, they know when we're rolling and things like that, but, 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 but they're, they're nice guys. What fellowship are you having with them? What do you got in common with them? You know you can tell a lot about yourself by who you hang around with? Step number one, when it comes to your affiliations, when it comes to your associations, because associations and affiliations develop reputations. We used to have a thing years ago, they called it known associates. We did it with contact cards. They tried to do away with it because they said you have to have reasonable, sufficient, probable cause to be able to stop somebody and it questioned why they're running around at 3 o'clock in the morning looking in somebody's window. Well, for me, that's reasonable suspicion. Is this your house? Did you lock yourself out of the house? Let me see your driver's license. Put your hands on me, bro. I ain't your bro. Give me your driver's license. You live on the other side of town. What in the cat hair are you doing over here? Um, I'm filling my shopping list. I'm going grocery shopping. I was just going to pop the window and slip in there and slip out. They wouldn't even know I was there. You know what we did? We had a thing called known associations or known affiliates. Contact card. What was it? Associations. Who are you affiliated with? Who are you known? You know what we did? We made assumptions about you that if you were running with the wrong crowd, that you were influenced by the wrong crowd, and therefore you were part of the wrong crowd, even if you didn't have a record. You shouldn't treat me that way. Okay, let me flip the card on you just a second, all right? How about we don't even have to worry about treating you that way if you don't run with the wrong crowd in the first place? How about that? 
Why is the policeman always the bad guy for catching you doing wrong? You know, I'm just out walking around, man. Policeman just pulls me over and stops me. Wherever you walking? Well, behind somebody's house. What time of the morning? 3 a.m. Oh, and he just stopped you because he didn't have anything else to do. I mean, he's just been waiting for an opportunity to snap you up. No. Associations. Sit down, write out a card. Known association, known affiliates, known to affiliate with such and such a gang, known to affiliate with such and such people. You know what you do? You wind up finding out who's involved in everything you can imagine because they're just affiliated with them. I'm trying to tell you that the best thing you can do is avoid people like that. Avoid places like that. Don't go to those kinds of places. Don't see how close to the curb you can get. Make sure that you're careful about that. Look at James chapter number 1. I may not get too far with this. I, I hope it's going to make a little bit of sense to you by the time we're done and you had not got so put off with me already that you're ready to turn me off. But I'm going to tell you whatever you want to. It's better to avoid than to have to abstain, but sometimes you have to abstain. You say, what happens? You're weaker at nighttime. You say, why? Men love darkness rather than light. Why? <laughs> That's why you put your phone under your pillow at night. You say, why? Somebody's going to hit you in the middle of the night that you know mom and daddy wouldn't have you talk to. Your mom and daddy don't have the backbone to take your phone away from you because you'll pitch a stinking fit. Christian boy or girl, your mom and daddy won't take the phone away from you. I'm talking about after you get over 18 and you're doing it on your own. I'm talking about now. They won't take the phone away from you. Well, who's going to hit you that time of the morning? I'll tell you who. Bottom feeders. What are they doing up that time of night? Waking you up. That's what. Trying to get you to slip out the window. A bajillion years ago now, it seems like a bajillion years ago sometimes, and sometimes just at night a boy and a girl got hooked up and they were in love with each other, madly so they thought. They were in high school. He's a senior. She's a junior. And they're, uh, they're spending time together and stuff like that. And the parents just say, oh, it's cute, isn't it cute? It's just puppy love. Oh, it's, ah, it's so sweet, you know, and they're going to, oh, and they're going to go to the prom together and this and that and the other. And he hits her in the middle of the night and says, hey, why don't you come out? And she slips out of a second story window and climbs down the trellis over there. I'm telling you, it's a true story. I'm not making something up for you. He comes down there, gets in a red Chevrolet pickup truck. He got, he, he bought that pickup truck. Oh, let me rephrase that. His mommy and daddy bought him that pickup truck. Mr. I'm cool breeze and hat turned around backwards. He picks her up, hop in here, baby. He hooks up his seatbelt and snaps it in and she slides over into the middle and off they go. A little bit of dew's been falling on the ground out there and stuff like that. And the guy sort of swerves at him a little. He's getting a little fast and probably uh, doing something he shouldn't with one hand there. You know, he's kind of trying to hug her up. At least that's according to the story. And he runs off the road and he overcorrects. And when he does, it kind of slips a little this way and then it slips a little this way and then it comes back and the tires grab and when it does that thing just flips. He's only going about 65 miles an hour. That thing rolls three times and the third time it rolled she had come out on the second time right out through the passenger window that had been broken and then she comes out and the third time that thing landed right on top of her and then rolled off of her. Little blonde headed girl. 16 years old. Right there. Flat as a stinking pancake. Looked like somebody just squeezed everything out of her, laying right there, just 
her, her whole skull looked like a, a duck's beak just laid out there, all that matter, all that fluid. Cool breeze standing over here, baggy shorts hanging down to his knees. He's standing over there, been drinking a little bit. He wasn't drunk, he's just drinking a little, you know. He's over there, I can remember him. He's sitting here rubbing his stomach with this sort of look on his face and not a scratch on him. You say, what happened? He didn't abstain. She didn't abstain. They didn't avoid the troubles. What happened? Well, you know, it's not the first time we've been out and around. Hey, guys, guess what? She didn't get pregnant. She didn't have a baby out of wedlock. She didn't become a single mama. She died. You say, why? It's a a guy thing, you know. I mean, guy and girl slip out. How romantic. It's like, Romeo, 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 where art thou, Romeo? I'm right here. Jump, baby. I'll catch you. Oops, sorry. I could tell you stories like that all afternoon long. You say, what? Wouldn't abstain from the appearance of evil. What did she think he was going to be looking to do at 2 o'clock in the morning? She claimed down the trellis. Back in those days, you didn't have a chaplain to call. Whoever's the main dude on the scene there has to be the one to give the notice. A pretty good-sized apartment and stuff. You go around there and you come up and... 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning, knock on the thing. Quiet, man. Dew's on the ground. Dog barking when you pull into the driveway there and you're standing there. Boy, you're dreading it. I mean, your stomach's up in your throat, man. And then you reach up and you hit the doorbell. And about the second time you hit it, the door opens. And when he opens the vacuum of that, sucks that that, uh, glass door, you know, (laughs) comes out that way. And he's standing there and looking at you kind of funny like that. And he said, yes, sir. And I said, uh, sir, could I speak with you for just a moment, please? Yes, sir, is there a problem? I said, uh, yes, sir. I said, um, do you know someone by the name of... And he said, yes, sir, that's my daughter. I said, uh, well, sir, what I'd like to... He said, uh, about that time, light at the top of the stairs, right up there, it comes on, light comes on. And I hear the mama running over. I know what she's doing. She's checking the room. And she goes over there. She says, no, no, no. She's here. She's here. She's here. And opens up the door. My goodness, man, you talk about scream. And that daddy just shakes and trembles and reaches back. There's a little ledge right there that other that thing. He reaches back and holds that. And he said, what happened? I said, sir, I need you to come with me to identify her. Never happened to me. Mm-hmm. Four girls back home. Uh, all of them 16 years old and one 18-year-old's driving the car. They said, well, this one's going to stay with this one, this one's going to stay with that one, that one's going to stay with this one. They all lied to their parents. They got in the car about 2.30 in the morning. They're running around, listening to music, having them a hoopla of a good time, you know, quote, looking for guys, you know, that kind of thing. And they're riding around and having them a time because they're out on, out, you know, mom and daddy don't know where they are. And we're just, you know, we're just in their minds having a party. They're not drinking or anything. They're just, 
you know, living it up a little bit kind of thing, you know, being free and that kind of stuff. And this old man worked at the paper mill up there. Matter of fact, same one that that guy that I told you that found his wife that worked up on Main Sam, I think Gillum is the name of that company. And he had gotten sick at work, and he was uh, coming back home. It was that time of the morning. He was real, real sick. And those girls busted a red light, man, at an intersection. There's nobody within 400 miles of that place. Just an intersection, just wide open, no cars at all, just, just dead as 4 o'clock in the morning, nothing going on. And they bust through a red light, and 9 out of 10 times, there wouldn't even been anybody around to see him, let alone run into him. And he's got the green light, and he T-bones them, man. He's driving a pickup truck, and they're driving a little old bitty, you know, teenage car kind of a thing and didn't have much support in it, and slid them over, rolled them over one time, and then stopped over here. That thing was so mangled and so twisted up, we had to cut the roof off the top, or the fire department came in and cut the roof off the top of that thing. We had to take a wrecker and get the hooks on the wrecker to peel that thing like you pull the lid off of a tuna can. All four of them girls, supposedly Christian girls, all four of them girls, they had a big article in the newspaper. They had a big church that had the funeral there. And there's four white caskets sitting up there. You say, well, that's a terrible tragedy. It's a terrible tragedy. It's horrible. What a terrible thing that man has to live with. He was coming home from work because he was sick. Those girls ran the red light. What a terrible tragedy. Those four girls. Why did those four girls wind up getting killed? Because they shouldn't have been out there in the first place. Isn't that a cold, harsh way to look at that? What are they doing out at four o'clock in the morning? They didn't avoid, they didn't abstain. We can get away with it. Hey, it ain't no problem. County down from me, just, just short of where I'm at there, St. John's, where our church is, and you don't go, oh, I don't know. My wife could tell you probably exactly about two and a half, three miles before you hit the county line there, you step off into St. John's County. So it's not far. We used to work hand-in-hand hand with that county all the time. We have a big county there. We used to work with them all the time. And this just happened last year. A boy goes out and meets a girl. She's a cute girl. She's uh, 13 years old. She's a cheerleader. She's pretty well known. She's a pretty little girl and that kind of thing. She goes out and meets him at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they wind up talking and stuff like that for a little while. And then she gets ready to leave. And he decides she's not going to leave. And after he gets finished abusing her, uh, I'll just tell you flat out, after he gets done raping her, he stabs her 114 times. He's 14 years old. Goes home to take a shower and his mama helps him wash all the blood off and stuff like that. And they go out the next day looking for her. He's part of the search party. And when they finally put all the pieces together, they got him in the back of the car. I saw the video. He's back there hooking up and he's calling her by name. Well, we'll just call her for the sake of the discussion. We'll call her Susie. He's laughing. He's going, anybody seen Susie? <laughs> anybody know where Susie is? <laughs> I bet Susie's taking a snoozy. <laughs> Laughing. 14. And a mama that helped him to cover it up. Oh, preacher, why you got to be telling stories like this? I don't want you to be one of the storylines. That's why I'm telling you. I'm trying to make it real. Can't you tell that? I'm not trying to sensationalize things for you. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to tell you what real life is. I'm trying to tell you, get some stinking smelling salts up your nose spiritually and wake up. The devil's trying his best to get you. 
You're saved. You got a giant rack on your head and he wants to hang you over his mantle. He doesn't care about you. Preachers, well, you know, kids have such a tough time today. I got an easy answer for your tough time. Just say no. I ain't go. Why don't you be a trendsetter? Why don't you? What do they call that thing when the when the deal breaks out? It's it's trending. But what is the thing when it blows up on the social feed? There's a name for the thing when it goes it goes viral. Why don't you become a stinking pandemic? Man, every time we ask her to go somewhere, she just says no, and all these people are following after, and the pandemic is spreading. We can't have no fun anymore. I'm having plenty of fun. I don't have to go to places like that to have fun. You know what? You must be sick in your head. That must be what the problem is because I already know your heart's sick. You must be sick in your head to call that fun. We put you in the category with the Bundys of the world. You've got to go out and enjoy perversion. You know what that means? Something's wrong with you. You are twisted in the noggin. You're twisted if you go for that, the bad boys. Bad boy, bad boy, what you gonna do? I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna sit down in the box and cry like a little girl and try to make some kind of a deal to save your hide from going to the barbecue. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make fun of the police all the time and stuff like that. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make fun of the military guys that fought for you to have the freedom that you had. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make fun of the teachers. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make fun of your parents. That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make fun of a preacher that tries to tell you something. You go home and say, man, I don't know what got into him, man. He's raking us over the coals. And your mom and daddy will probably be calling Joe or, or pardon me, brother Joe, no disrespect, or calling brother Elliot and saying, hey, listen, if you're gonna have him back again, uh, I'm just telling you right now, we're not sending our kids and we're not giving you $180. I hate to tell you this. You know what he'll say? Okay, good. I think we're better off without you. We'll make room for people that do want to be here. Have a nice life. See you in the millennium. They're not fair weather friends. There's enough preachers in here that can preach the paint off the wall ten times what I can do. They just hold back on you. They're, they're, they're kind of being kind to you. They can peel your hide, boy. They're just real, they're, they're sweeter than I am. I'm getting old now. 2 Samuel 11, how much time do I have? Is this helping you at all, making any sense? Is it doing anything other than making you mad? I'll get to the other passage in James later on. Let me get this right here. You're usually uh, at nighttime. That's when trouble will get you, right? That's when drugs and drinking and, you know, what's real strange. We didn't do many drug busts in the daytime. You say, why? Because cockroaches like nighttime. They don't like the sunlight. Oh, Samuel in the Old Testament, I think it is. This is the story of David. There it is, 2 Samuel chapter number 11. I mentioned it last night. But you know what you better watch? You better watch the high cost of a cheap thrill. I had to do a study for the International Association of Chiefs of Police for the FBI Academy up in Quantico. And during that time period or during that study time, what we did was is we found out when and where crime rates, crime rates rise. 
Interestingly enough, crime rates were down when kids were in school. Maybe because they're occupied doing something else, right? Well, that's the story of David. If he'd have been out on the battlefield where he was supposed to be, you would not be reading the story of David and Bathsheba. I'm positive when you get up to heaven, you ask David if he likes the fact that that story's in the Bible. I guarantee you he don't like that. But the fact of the matter is, it's a great illustration to say, yeah, that's what happened when I got be in the wrong place at the wrong time, not doing what I should have done. Number one, we found out that. Number two, we found out it began to rise when the kids got home from school, and then there was a little lull period of time between 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock, things settled down. Well, I wondered why. Mom and dad are home. And then guess what happens? Around 11 o'clock, the thing begins to skyrocket and begins to go up. We conclusively proved with statistics nationally that crime rate was rising in the juvenile community and it was equitable to how it was rising in the adult community. So we're seeing a rise in the crime rate in an area in the adult community. We're noticing at the same time we're seeing the same rise equitable to that rise in the juvenile community. Makes you think if the adults are maybe heredity kind of passing on. Mom and dad are criminals. Guess what? Guess you know, kids are going to be criminals. You know what began to happen? Gangs began to develop out of that because mom and dad were absent. Mom and dad were either working or mom and dad didn't give a flip. And so guess what happened? Kids began to gravitate over and they didn't have anywhere else to go. So what they began to do was hang out with places or in places they shouldn't go and do things they shouldn't do. And then all of a sudden, you have literally an epidemic back then. It's even on national news. And that's why we were addressing it is all of a sudden, the juvenile crime rate was going far and above the adult crime rate. You say, why? There was nobody at home holding them accountable. They were just turned loose like wild animals, like pack dogs. And they started running in packs. And you could locate the uh, crime rate and you could see what was going on. And then all of a sudden, all you have to do is spread out in that area. And guess what you'd find? You'd find a certain group of juveniles that were running together that were responsible for 90, 90, 90% of the crimes. You say, why? Let me tell you the importance of making appointments. You need to schedule your time. The story there is about David. Now just listen to me talk a couple minutes. I've only got a couple minutes before we go eat. And I'm not about to make the kitchen mad. They're on about 2,500 meals by now. And I don't want them like deciding to pour bleach in my chicken this afternoon. So <clears throat> you're looking at David right there. You know what if David had done? The appointment was made. He didn't keep the appointment. You need to learn to schedule your time. You need to learn that at a young age. You need to keep a day timer. You have a calendar, you need to put stuff on the calendar. You say, what do you have? I got a calendar thing back there, you know, I, I hit the thing and somebody calls and says, hey, uh, can I have a meeting? I said, I don't know. I either check with my walk-in calendar, that's my wife, or I check myself. She's great at, at shielding from that stuff. I look on there, I got a little bit going on. I, I, have, to, I have to look, I go, well, I can't do that, I got this, I can't do that, I got this, I can't do that, I got this, I can't do that. Well, wait a minute, I can do that tomorrow. <laughs> You say, what does that do? Well, that, all, that helps me to schedule my time, but it also keeps me from getting in trouble because if all of a sudden I look on there and there's this big gap and there ain't nothing going on, that's probably a good time for you husbands to say to your wife, hey, I got some time. What would you like me to do? That's a good place to fill some honeydews. Can I get an amen, ladies? Yeah, good. Get a couple of those things done that you hadn't been doing because you're doing for everybody else, but you ain't doing for her. 
But you know what? You have to learn to schedule your time. Yeah. What do you do when you get out of school? I don't know. Why not? You want to be effective in work. You want to be effective in business. You want to be effective in the military. You want to be effective as a policeman. You want to be effective as a plumber. You don't know when you're going to have a job. You don't know when you're going to work. You want to be like Brother Mark and pour concrete and dig foundations and do all that other kind of stuff. I'll just do it whenever you feel like doing it, okay? <laughs> you better put stuff on the calendar. You say, why? They're expecting you to show up. The contractors are there waiting on you. You've got a concrete truck spinning over here. It don't spin forever. After a while, they put stuff in there. The concrete sets up, and now all of a sudden they're ready to pour it, and it's beyond being able to be poured. You can't pour it. It won't set up the right way. You just lost a ton of money for about eight yards of concrete, 18 yards of concrete. You say, what do you got to do? You have to have a calendar. You say, what are you telling me? I'm telling you, keep appointments. Have an idea what you're going to do. Do you go to the gym? When do you go to the gym? Sorry. Do you go to the gym? Thank you. I feel so much better. I'm not feeling much love over there today. But you know what you do? You got to plan a time to go. You know, you know why? You won't go if you don't. Now, I realize when you get busy, when you got a lot of stuff going on, it's hard to work in those things that are pleasurable and pleasurable time and things like that. Struggling with time is a huge and important thing. Make sure that you keep appointments. Let me get to this one right here. you got to watch your appetites. And I'm not talking about the stuff that just goes in your mouth. The reason that that's important for you to watch is, is that you get weak when you get hungry. Remember the story I gave you last night about, about Esau? Does anybody remember that story? <laughs> you know what happens when you get weak? When you get weak physically? I mean, when you get hungry physically, you know what happens to you? You get weak. You know what happens when you get weak spiritually? You get weak. And then you know what happens? Appetites can overtake you. Appetites can become addicting. I've had some sugar this week. Oh, man, it has been good. But Miss P has already told me when we get home, we got to get back off of this stuff. She goes, why? It's like crack for us. I mean, you eat a cookie or something, you think, oh, what's the big deal? I eat 10 a day. Yeah, but when you get our age, if you eat one a day, it takes you 10 days to get rid of it. I mean, right now I walk by the kitchen and I smell cookies cooking. I already put on four pounds and all I did was smell it. Swell up like a stinking toad frog. I know y'all thought I had my water wings on around here. <laughs> that's not water rings, that's fat. Too much sugar. You say, what happens when you get well, appetite gets bad? Yes, what happens? You decide that you want sugar more than you want the right kind of stuff. And then before long, the effects of having too much sugar take effect. Listen carefully. Sex is an appetite. All appetites must be controlled. You better watch your appetite. From about five rows forward, with your exception, how many of you are married? The rest of you, you got to keep it under control. Are you listening to me? You say, why? You get addicted to the sugar. And before long, it'll start telling you when to eat instead of you telling it when it's time to eat. Appetites have to be controlled. The same way you have to control what you eat, you have to learn to control that. All of those things that have to do with it. We have to stop here because it's about four minutes till. Maybe we'll pick it up this evening or, or whatever, but hopefully you've at least got that much. If you'll take the time to maybe just write down those few things, 
And then we maybe run over them real quick tonight after the first preacher preaches and then maybe give you a, a, a farewell message and that kind of a thing. Okay, Brother Joe, you come. Father, bless your word and thank you for it. And thank you for these uh, young'uns listening today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.